the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. I am Nick DeGilio, your host. Welcome. It's episode number 189 of the Nick D Podcast with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network on the planet. You should check out all the other amazing and varied and entertaining and informative and funny and awesome podcasts that are available at radiomisfits.com and on our live streaming. We got a 24-hour live streaming service that's happening. It's like radio, only a lot cooler, so turn it on anytime you want. It's free. It's live streaming. It's 24 hours of incredible entertainment. Great music from the Unheard Music Show. These are unsigned bands, so you can hear amazing music that you've never heard before. Fantastic stuff. And in between all the great Unheard Music, you hear episodes of the great podcasts available at Radio Misfits, including my podcast. You can hear this one every weekday at 3 p.m. Central. And you can hear my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. And that's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. And you can hear that every day at 9 a.m. Central as part of the 24-hour nonstop streaming of unbelievable podcasts and music at radiomisfits.live. Mark it down, get it on, turn it on, listen to it, radiomisfits.live, 24 hours. It's like radio, only a lot cooler. Uh, Also, you can be a sponsor here at Radio Misfits, specifically on this show. Um, We have sponsors here, and we all love them, and they love us, and it's fantastic. You can be a part of that. You got something you want to advertise? Lots of people listen to this podcast, so you should do it. Be a sponsor now. Advertise with the Nick D Podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Say, I want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast. Drop us a note. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You can be a part of the show. You want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast just in general. We have a voicemail message system that's open 24-7. We want to hear from you. Uh, We love you. We want to hear from you 24-7. Anytime you feel the need to call us to leave any kind of message or question or comment or questions for our regular guests, including Tom and Herb, our our, uh, consumer guys, if you want to. Uh, leave a question for them or, you know, anything you want. Suggestions. 24-7, that voicemail system is open for you. Take advantage of it. 773-417-6948. Call us now. Or you can drop us an email, 24-7. Any concerns, any questions, any comments, you know, contributions. Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds and the weirdness. Ed Silla does everything else because he's the man. Rate and review us on every platform and follow us as well. It's the Nick D Podcast on the great Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Coming up on episode number 189, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi are going to join me for movie reviews. Uh, just a few movies opened up uh, this uh, Halloween, uh, the, the weekend right before Halloween. So uh, we're also going to talk about some of the new movies that are out. And uh, we're each going to pick three horror movies that we think you should check out. Um, you know, they don't have to be classics or whatever. They're just three movies, maybe not three of our favorites. But just three horror movies that maybe are underappreciated or horror movies that you should probably check out during this week leading into 
Halloween. So we'll talk brand new movies with Eric and Steve and some horror movies. Uh, Esmeralda Leon is going to join me. We're going to talk about more celebrity rumors. And um, Esmeralda is going to, uh, to New Orleans. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. So Esmeralda Leon, who's the best, she joins me. And uh, Eric and Steve join me. All the regulars, we love these guys. We love you too. Make sure you uh, subscribe and share and all that cool stuff. Uh, right here on the Radio Misfits. Hi, Uh-oh. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, Hi, baby. I'm Carrie yeah, Russell, I and I love Nick's show. Getting ready for Halloween. Uh, the Halloween uh, Spooktacular is coming up. That'll be uh, dropping on uh, on Halloween itself. So Tuesday, this coming Tuesday is Halloween. And episode um, 190 um, will be coming up. And that will feature the one and only... Josh Robert Thompson, yes, the incredible, unbelievably funny comedian, impersonator, writer, actor. He's unbelievably talented. He's amazing. Um, He spent years on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson where he played. He is the voice and the controller of Jeffrey Peterson, the skeleton, the gay skeleton robot sidekick of Craig Ferguson on the Late Late Show. The guy's a comedic genius. He's a great improviser and an old friend of the show. And he, by the way, is a horror film fanatic. He loves the horror genre. So the brilliant Josh Robert Thompson, Jeffrey Peterson from the uh, Craig Ferguson show, is going to join me for the Halloween Spooktacular. That drops on Tuesday. It's going to be a very, very special Halloween show with me and Josh deep diving into the world of horror and horror films. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, in addition to being a great improvisational comedic mind and Jeffrey Peterson from The Late Late Show, he is also a horror fanatic. So I thought, man, there's no more appropriate time to talk to Josh Robert Thompson than on Halloween. So Josh Robert Thompson is my very, very, very special guest on uh, episode uh, 190, which drops on Tuesday, which is Halloween. So the spooktacular, which will feature Esmeralda and I talking about horror and the great Josh Robert Thompson. So that's what's coming up on Tuesday for Halloween. But coming up right now, we've got Eric and Steve, brand new movie reviews and some Halloween suggestions as well. And you know what else is appropriate for Halloween, man? I am so thrilled about this. I'm so thrilled that this has been um, a, a part of the podcast for many episodes now. God, it's so good. You should love it. You should get it right now. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up. Because Brian Alaspas Devoured, yeah, that's right, Brian Alaspas Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. 
Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. familiar theme. I believe that's from the CBS late night movie or ABC movie of the week from the 70s. One it's of those definitely gym- a movie of the week. It's definitely yeah. it's at, oh, without yeah. question. I think it's ABC if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it's from the 70s. It's like a movie of the week theme. I thought that would be kind of fun as we play. And every time you hear it now, we know it's time to uh, talk movies. Eric Childress and uh, Steve Procopi are my guys, and we talk movies every other week and some of the movie stuff. And we've got some extra stuff we're going to be talking about a little bit. Since uh, it is Halloween, uh, coming up on Halloween weekend and uh, all that stuff, we thought we'd each pick three horror movies, maybe off the beaten path, not the real popular titles that everybody talks about. So I thought that uh, Steve and Eric and I would pick three titles to recommend that you watch for Halloween, uh, kind of alternative horror. So we'll talk about that and review some new movies. But first, let's say hello to uh, Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello. And Steve Procopi. Hi, Steve. Hello there. All right. Uh, let's start with uh, Eric. Uh, tell everybody where they can read your stuff and hear your stuff and see you and all that cool stuff. Yes. Over at the Now Playing Network, I have two podcasts. Uh, one of them, the Movie Madness podcast. That's uh, Steve is a regular weekly guest on Talking Movies. And Pierce Zabzinski is a regular weekly guest talking Blu-rays. Uh, and then the other podcast is called The Friendship Dilemma that I co-host with Morgan Geyer. Uh, and we're sort of back in the swing of things now. And we have a new episode dropping this very day on He's Just Not That Into You. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. So you guys do bad movies, too. Well, one of us thinks that. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. All right. it's, it's, it's a very spirited discussion. I would imagine so. Wow. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, tune in for that at uh, Now Playing Network, uh, The Friendship Dilemma. Uh, and uh, Steve Procopi, tell everybody about your stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, you can, uh, in addition to the Movie Madness podcast with Eric, you can also read my reviews and interviews uh, at thirdcoastreview.com and uh, you can very often find me at the Music Box Theater or in the PR Manager. You'll be definitely be able to find me there this weekend. So, or actually even starting the the, the day we're recording this at the, the Tingler uh, yeah. extravaganza. So. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there for the late show. I'm going to the, yeah. to the, to the, to the, to the late show tonight. I can't wait. They did such a great job. Matt Carr and, uh, and Morgan and everybody at the music mm-hmm. box. It's just a fabulous job with uh, house on haunted Hill. Um, yeah. William Castle doing the emerge. Uh, they're doing the same craziness with the uh, Tingler uh, tonight, but, uh, and but I'm actually, blanking on what the, what, what is the, gimmick it's a, called it's a it's a it's a it's a percepto percepto that's it yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, percepto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's in it's in percepto so uh but yeah we're talking about this but it already happened uh but it was yeah. great it was fantastic <laughs> it was amazing everything uh, went exactly exactly to plan. there was not a problem at all uh i understand that they hooked up with my buddy ryan oliver uh to do some effects uh and that's that's a guy that, that's a guy right there uh, you know he 
he does makeup, he does crazy effects, uh, and he lived in L.A. for a while. And he was responsible for a play we did at the factory about 20 years ago called uh, Among the Dead wow. that he wrote and directed, did all the makeup for. So they got a hold of uh, Ryan to do some of the Tingler gags, and uh, he's the right guy. <laughs> I, I will also say, if I'm not mistaken, they remember the at Flashback Weekend, there was that guy who was dressed up like yeah. Vincent Price with the skeleton on the, yeah. cr- on the, on the, yeah. on the like, pulley. And they did, in there, fact, yeah. hook up. Well, they that some people from that act, from that improv group or whatever they are, are going to be walking the lobby too in, right. in character. Right. So that's going to be an added thing. Yeah. But man, that those got that when I saw that guy walk around flashback, I was like, okay, I need you to hook yep. you up with somebody. Yeah, <laughs> so. so it'll be fun. Uh, well, it yeah. was fun. It was fantastic. It was the greatest night ever. So oh, yeah. there you go. All right. Uh, well, Except let's move fire, on. We got some, yes. we got some movies to review, <laughs> and then when we're done reviewing the movies, uh, Steve and Eric and myself, we have three uh, horror Halloween related titles that we would like to recommend that you watch for the week. All right, uh, let's start, shall we? Okay, cool. Pain Hustlers <laughs> is the first movie. Uh, I have not uh, watched that one yet, but Eric and Steve have. It's on Netflix, correct? Yes, it yes. is. All right, Eric, tell us about Pain Hustlers. Okay, uh, well, this is another story in the ongoing uh, cinematic treatment of the opioid uh, scandal uh, epidemic that uh, has been going on in this country for some time. Uh, This one uh, stars Emily Blunt uh, as a woman named Liza Drake. Uh, This is based on a true story, uh, who was uh, working as a a dancer at a gentleman's club uh, when she comes upon a guy played by Chris Evans, who uh, is drunk and works for a pharmaceutical company that is more or less failing, uh, that's run by Andy Garcia. And uh, he just, in, in a moment, basically gets her interested in possibly joining the team. And so she shows up and uh, looks for looking for a job and ends up getting a job, impressing uh, Garcia and the people there about with her uh, communication skills. And she becomes another in these long line of pharmaceutical reps who show up to doctor's office and pitch them on these particular uh, pills and whatnot. Uh, I don't remember exactly what this particular pill that they're hawking in this movie. I think it's a cancer drug. Uh, it's, that, a pain, uh, it's a pain med. It's a pain med for cancer patients. Yes. For cancer patients. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so she's hawking it there. And uh, ultimately, uh, it the, the popularity of it grows. It gets into these doctor's offices and it grows the company. It grows her wealth. Uh, she has uh, a daughter that uh, has a medical condition, one of the reasons she's doing this, but she becomes a very popular person on the pharmaceutical thing. And as these opioid stories go, we discover that the drug is more addictive than it was initially uh, put out to be, and then whether or not the company is covering that up in the name of profits and all these things. And it takes us down exactly the, the, the anyone who has seen or heard any of these opioid documentaries or films or miniseries like Dope Sick are not going to find even something like Love and Other Drugs that uh, with uh, um, Gyllenhaal and Gyllenhaal. Hathaway years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, ha- dealt with a little bit of this, at least from the pharmaceutical rep uh, position. Uh, you're not going to find a lot here that you don't know about. And it's, you know, it, it's it, taking the route that, you know, the, the their profession is very flashy. There's a lot of money. It's a lot of uh, just a, a lot of people getting everything that they want on the road to a lot of people suffering, basically. And this movie doesn't show a lot of the suffering that I recall. And it just kind of 
that, that stuff kind of comes out in base like the last maybe the last half more like the last third of this movie and again there, there's nothing in this movie to really glom onto to say like oh this movie is telling me something new about the the epidemic it's the exact same story told in a flashier manner uh with very a very attractive cast good actors uh that just doesn't really amount to a whole lot uh, i sat there going kind of like i mean i want all of these opioid stories to be told and i think all the people particularly on on the addiction side need to have their stories told but telling it all the way from the story of the pharmaceutical reps is just we're, we're beyond that at this point and unless you've got something new to tell us about this uh you're just kind of wasting our time so pain hustlers uh, was a pretty big no for me okay uh what'd you think steve here's here's what's different about this story is well a couple things one is that the drug they are pushing is meant to be the answer to the opioid problem, which is, is supposed to is being touted as a non-addictive drug that works much faster than an opioid. That I mean, if that's the thing, it's supposed to be almost like a miracle drug. And of course, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So, but that's how it starts, and that's one of the reasons Liza even agrees to get into this is because it's supposed to be. There are studies that say this thing is a non-addictive drug. And so really what this is about is it's a movie about like chipping away at one's values. And I think it's the difference of this movie is Emily Blunt has like a sharp layered performance that does a lot of the heavy lifting in places where the screenplay lets us down, which is a lot. Um, I think the film gets less interesting toward, as it goes on, especially when the Andy Garcia character starts to lose his mind to like conspiracy theories and other kind of rich guy paranoias but when the bad guys start acting bad the the movie kind of loses its value as a cautionary tale so it's easy to see why liza might go to the authorities later when garcia won't like give her a loan to help her with the daughter's medical costs um she has a daughter that's played by um chloe coleman who is in the dungeons and dragons movie yeah um but anyway, so, um, yeah, it's like th nothing really comes as much of a surprise toward the end. Like he, Garcia has become a monster rather than a person caught up in like a whirlwind of just greed and power. It's it's not as interesting. And and the way that the Chris Evans character seems to like blindly follow this guy makes no sense at, at times. And I kept waiting for some sort of hidden explanation for this unwarranted devotion. And it really never comes. And um so I think many of the stories about drug companies doing bad things that end up getting patients killed have their own sort of interesting beginnings, but they all kind of end the same. And that's kind of how Pain Hustlers is structured as well. You, you kind of want to see Liza come out of this unscathed for her daughter's sake, but she, at a certain point when she realizes that what she's pushing is addictive and that the study is questionable that says it's not, she's still willing to participate in this for some period. And so getting away with it free and clear doesn't exactly seem right either. And I guess what ends up happening is to her in what happened to her in real life is, is some sort of decent compromise, I guess. I don't know. But uh, anyway, it's it. We, we get the obligatory end credits update on most of the major characters in the story. And, but even that doesn't quite like sort of satiate the need for a satisfying conclusion to the story. It's kind of a mixed bag for me, but honestly, any excuse to watch Emily Blunt pull off a character like this made it worth checking out for me. It's not, it's certainly not a great movie 
by any stretch, and it's barely a good movie. So anyway, yeah, I say bad. Emily Blunt is the reason. Yeah, I mean it's too bad. What a great cast, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a terrific. Oh, and can cast. we mention Catherine O'Hara as her yeah, mother, who's right. also in a in a mostly dramatic role? Like, I mean, she's she's kind of a mess, but it's not just comic relief. It's an actual, it's like a legitimate part that I almost wish they dug into a little more. There's a scene, a conflict between her and Emily Blunt about how she, how Emily Blunt's character was raised. And it, it's a great scene in the wrong movie. So, yeah. okay. but other than that, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, it's a, like I said, mixed bag. Mixed bag. Uh, Eric, you didn't like it. And, uh, and mm-hmm. seemingly a waste of a pretty amazing cast. Cause all those people yeah. are pretty great. Okay, so that's Pain Hustlers, available now on Netflix. Um, not recommended by either Eric or Steve. All right, uh, let's move on with stuff that's not recommended, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Eric, you were spared uh, uh, the screening. Uh, you were not at the screening last night of Five yeah, Nights. Yeah, not at- spared on Peacock. <laughs> no, it's right. It's on Peacock. It drops on Peacock today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and it is in movie theaters, and we did see it at a theater last mm-hmm. night that was packed uh, at the screening that we went to. Uh, last night and this is five nights at freddy's and um this evidently is based we can get more details maybe steve you've done more homework on it it's based on a video <laughs> game it's based on a video game and and uh and they, they made a, a rip-off version of this with nicholas cage a couple of years ago called willie's fucking nuthouse or what's it what's it what's it called? Willy's wonderland willie's wonderland <laughs> okay so willie's wonderland which was a movie that everybody seemed to love except me uh i thought it was i thought it was okay no, a lot of people didn't like it. A no, lot I thought, of people didn't I, like it. A lot of people didn't like it. Okay, because I oh, know yeah. a lot of people. I know a lot of people who loved it, and uh, and, and you know, uh, and I just remember it's notable because Nicolas Cage doesn't speak in it. Like he doesn't have right. a line of dialogue. Um, right. But anyway, it's the same kind of setup. It's like what happens if like a fictional Chuck E. Cheese, if those characters come to life and start murdering people, and uh, that w- Willy's Wonderland was made a couple of years ago and loosely inspired by this video game. But this is the official. Right? This is an official tie-in mm-hmm. with the video game. The video game itself is called Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't know it. I don't play it. But they made a movie <laughs> out of it. Uh, and uh, Steve, tell us about it. And Eric, you have not seen it, but you can probably watch mm-hmm. it on, as, as my friend calls it, The Cock. You can watch it on The Cock. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I have a friend who's like, yeah, do you, do you subscribe to The Cock? I'm like, I don't know if it's the same one you're talking about. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, five, five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, Steve, explain the complicated plot. And there is a complicated, a needlessly complicated Ooh, plot to this. God. But yeah, I know. Like, what the hell is going on? Okay, go ahead, Steve. We'll get to that in a minute. But tell everybody I, I feel it. like this movie is like 90% backstory that has nothing to do with the game exactly. itself. Yeah. And, I, and I can't imagine. <laughs> and before we get to it, Steve, I can't imagine like kids who play the video game like watching this this fucking complicated movie about child trauma for an hour and a half. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Explain, explain the movie. All right. Well, I mean, look, I get it. I'm not a video game player in any way, so my knowledge of the Five Nights at Freddy's series of games is, is zilch. I know that the guy who created it is also credited as one of the screenplay writers here. So, um, And I do know it's a game that's aimed at, believe it or not, at younger players. Yeah, yeah. And as a result, the, this Blumhouse... The, the Blumhouse producers behind this PG-13 rated film adaptation went for something a little tamer than your average blood-soaked venture that they normally do. And it, I think it hurts the movie, to be quite honest, because um, you're kind of waiting for it. They set you up like you're going to see something that's practically like Saul in an arcade, but it doesn't ever quite pay off that way. The film the film follows the, the uh, troubled guy named Mike Schmidt, uh, played by Josh Hutchinson. Uh, who 
has a great many anger issues that often result in him getting fired from job after job. Again, something kids can totally relate to, um, <laughs> which which he which he can't really afford to lose these jobs because he's taking care of his uh, much younger sister named Abby, played by Piper Rubio. Um, though an employment agency run by Matthew Lillard, uh, this uh, this guy named Mike uh, finds out. Uh, or Mike finds out about a security guard job at an abandoned pizza place called Freddy Fosbear's Pizza, um, which for some reason has an arcade and animatronic animals who play music and occasionally try to murder any human in the joint. Uh, so aside from killer robots, so Mike's troubles are, are legion. They, they all sort of stem from a, the childhood kidnapping of his younger brother, uh, a crime that was never solved and is the only thing he dreams about when he sleeps, apparently, which is... Apparently, most of the time he's sleeping. Um, Mike Mike <laughs> blames himself for his brother's disappearance, and the dreams become more vivid when he starts working at Freddy's, resulting in him believing uh, and becoming convinced that this place holds the key to figuring out what happened to his brother, uh, and perhaps even saving his brother somehow. Um, but when the human-sized robot animals start coming to life and terrorizing anyone who steps into the, the decrepit building... Uh, with the exception of this, his sister, Abby, um, and a local police officer played by Elizabeth Lale, um, who seems to know a lot more about Freddy's than she in, uh, initially lets on. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of a mess. And, and having these, it, it seems sort of very selective when the robot animals want to kill you and when they want to play with you. It's very strange. It's very hard to figure out. Anyway, um, the film is directed by Emma uh, Ta Tammy, who did a movie a few years ago called The Wind, like I said, adapted in part by the game's creator, uh, Scott Coffin. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's is easily one of the dullest and slowest horror films in recent memory, making it a complete slog to sit through. There are few things less scary than watching robot animals very slowly chase someone <laughs> through a rundown diner. And you can hear them clomping every step you can hear. So it's not like they're sneaking up on you. Um, they move slower than the slowest, slow moving zombie. And so it never really seems like much of an issue to get away from them at any given point. Um, there's also a painfully unnecessary subplots about Mike and Abby's Aunt Jane, played by Mary Stuart Masterson. Yeah, what who, the fuck is she doing? Uh, in attempting this movie? to like get custody <laughs> of Abby, attempting to get custody of Abby away from Mike, except when she's not trying to get, uh, except when she's helping them. Um, even as the film gets closer to uncovering all the mysteries behind Freddy's and its small army of animatronic creatures, um, it doesn't really help pick up the pace or make the movie any more interesting or exciting or worthy of your time and money. Um, a horror film doesn't have to be R-rated to be good, but Five Nights at Freddy feels like 30 minutes of interesting ideas padded out to almost two hours with subplots about child abduction and Mike's anger management issues, issues that never really get channeled into fighting against something that's actually threatening him. That's the weird thing. I kept thinking that all this anger management storyline was going to turn into him yeah. like yeah. blowing up at these creatures, and it never happens. No, nope. I couldn't believe it. So yes, it does indeed sound, this premise does indeed sound like Nicolas Cage's film Willy's Wonderland. I would much rather watch that movie again just because Nicolas Cage is being weird in it and then, then have to sit through this thing again. And um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd rather definitely, I would never take another trip into Freddy's and yeah. 
thankfully they don't really set up a sequel either so that that was actually kind of surprising yes in theaters streaming on peacock ignore it in both places it's really i mean it's just (laughs) terrible i mean and it is you know it's a slog as you mentioned man i mean this thing is almost two hours long how the hell is that even remotely possible and it makes the Nicolas cage movie you know you know look like uh uh, killers of the flower moon for christ's sake uh (laughs) And it feels and it feels longer than Killers of the Flower Moon, for yeah. Christ's sake. Um, and uh, and I, I, you know, it's a video. It's based on a video game, and we know the history of how great movies based on video games are. Jesus Christ! But at uh, least most video game movies feel like they're trying to duplicate the video game. There's nothing. No, there's no sense of how this game is played. None. Even uh, like that's none. the weirdest. Yeah. From what I understand, that you play the game like you are Mike, like you're sitting in the office watching the monitors and then trying to stop the monsters from killing people while you're at the monitor or something. So you're to, asleep the whole time is what you're I, saying. Yeah, yeah, you're asleep, I guess, the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, an, a, a massively complicated plot in a really <laughs> stupid movie that should just consist of uh, animatronic creatures killing people violently. That's all this movie should be. But to have like a yeah. subplot where it's like abused, abducted, dead children are haunting these creatures. <laughs> like, what the? Yeah. What is this? Um, and then, you know, there are people in the cast that I really like. I mean, Matthew Lillard is just going through, you know, he's, you know, he's just doing Matthew Lillard. Um, <laughs> uh, but I happen to actually be a really big fan of Josh Hutcherson. I really like the guy. I liked him in the Hunger Game movies. And I, lo- he did one episode of SNL. He hosted one episode of SNL. And I love him from that episode. That, like, I loved him on that episode. I've always been a fan of his. And he's not bad in this. You know, like, he does the best no. he can. Uh, you know, he, he actually makes it much more believable than it needs to be. Um, you know, the, the girl, this Elizabeth Lale, <laughs> who uh, you just told me who she was, what she was in beforehand, and I completely forgot about it. Um, she was in that body switch movie with Diane Keaton from last year, which was the worst goddamn movie of the year. Mac and Rita. She was terrible in that, and she's terrible in this. Uh, the little girl is fine, and what the hell is Mary Stuart Masterson doing in this movie? And I audibly went, what? Like, at the beginning when they showed her name. You were sitting next to me. I went, because yeah, yeah. I had no idea she was in it, and I love Mary Stuart Masterson. I, I knew she was in it, so yeah, and but I, I yeah, was like, was what the <laughs> fuck is she doing in this movie? And it's, and it's a terrible part. Like, she doesn't show up in movies very often, and you're like, oh, cool, she's in this. It must be good. No. Um, and at one point in the movie, because she's like the evil aunt who's trying to take the girl away from him, mm-hmm. and then at one point, uh, the, the character that Piper uh, Rubio plays... It's like, I don't want to go over to Aunt Jane's house. She's mean and she smells like cigarettes. She doesn't smoke one cigarette in the goddamn movie. <laughs> PG-13, you can't I know, I, I guess so. But like, if you're going to describe her as a woman who smells of nothing but cigarettes, she does not light up one time in the movie. And I'm like, okay. And that's just one of the many idiotic problems with it. It's not scary. It's boring. The plot is needlessly complicated. And it's more about like child trauma and anger management and abduction Stuff that kids who play this video game, first of all, don't care about, won't understand, and are clearly... There was a kid next to us at the screening who couldn't have been more than nine, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, like, after the movie was over, I, <laughs> I heard him say, what was, what was that? <laughs> like, had no idea what was going on. Like, what was that? Because there's this needlessly complicated movie about child trauma with a complicated plot, and, the, and, the, and there's no payoff. Like, there's barely any murders in it like the like the animatronic characters that come to life that you want to see murder people or chase people down it's a mm-hmm. terrible movie i mean a terrible movie 
And the worst sin that it has is that it's just really boring. Like, I just nothing happens. And the audience, it was packed last night at the theater, you know, with a, with a Homer crowd. Like, people were like, yeah! Mm-hmm. And they were trying to pump them up beforehand, and they were doing giveaways and stuff. And even the people who got the free shit and who were really supposed to be pumped up, you could hear a pin drop during this movie. There were no laugh. <laughs> people were like, what the... And people just sadly filed out <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. So, really bad. Even bad to watch on the Peacock. Um, awful. You didn't miss anything, Eric. And... Um, uh, yeah. if, if I may, he'll, a couple, couple watch things. Yeah, no, I'm going to watch it. No, I'm definitely going to watch yeah. it. I'm, I'm so excited now. Um, yeah. And um, <laughs> one, I, I guess the possessed children angle is a part of the game lore. Oh, okay. So that's that is not something that they plucked out of obscurity. And have you have you heard what this movie is probably going to make this weekend? No. Money wise. Yeah. Okay. Like how? Like what would you guess? Like what would you think? Well, that, you know, even not seeing it. You know, what would you think this movie would make? 35 cents? No. Well, <laughs> and they're saying upwards of $50 million. There's a, lot of vi- there's a lot of video game players out there. The pl- I'll tell you something, Eric. The place was packed last night. The okay. screening was packed. So yeah. apparently a lot of people a lot of people, and a lot of teenagers. Like when I posted on my Facebook page that I was going to see this thing, a friend of yeah. mine, uh, who, by the way, Richard Ragsdale, who was in Among the Dead, uh, coincidentally enough, he lives out in L.A., and he's like, my 13-year-old daughter is obsessed with the game, and they can't wait to see it. Um, and they were both very disappointed that because <laughs> he's raising his daughter right. Um, they're both very disappointed <laughs> that the, that the movie was rated PG-13. <laughs> nice. So there's a pair of 13-year-olds who play the game who were like, this is going to be bullshit because it's rated PG-13. But no, I mean, there are a lot of people out there uh, who play that game. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised. So I don't know. Wait, wow. But even even though it's on Peacock, do you think they think it's going to make that much money? That's what they're saying. Like that was my yeah. whole thing too. Is that like you know like, huh. the, the Halloween movies, the the sequels anyway, the Gordon's Greens movies yeah. were on yeah. Peacock. Oh, but they made a lot of money. Yeah, they did. They, yeah. I mean, they made money, but I think that but they went down really quick because I think people are just like, well, it's on Peacock. I could just, that's where I watched them. So, right. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. Well, okay. Well, all right, we'll see what happens. But I mean, there's nothing else yeah. this weekend. There's nothing. No. So, like, I mean, no. maybe it will make $50 million just because people are going to want to see something that's supposed to be scary in a yeah, theater. Maybe. So maybe that's why, in addition to the video game. So, yeah, maybe $50 million is a is is accurate. Uh, it's yeah. insane and wrong on mm-hmm. every level. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, wow, we'll see. So you keep track of that, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on your report. But, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it makes that kind of money because there's no competition. It's supposed to be a scary movie and it's a video game based so yeah and i guess we'll make a lot of and it's pg-13 yeah. PG, yeah. yeah all right all right well let's get to something cool shall we <laughs> um finally jesus christ all right yeah eric tell us about <laughs> i don't know right. i'm laughing because i've seen it uh but tell yeah. us about <laughs> suitable flesh yes okay uh well this is a new film uh directed by joe lynch uh, and it is based on a, <clears throat> excuse me, on H.P. Lovecraft uh, short story called The Thing on the Doorstep. Uh, and in the movie, it stars Heather Graham as a psychiatrist who gets uh, this new patient played by Judah Lewis who comes in. He's having some issues with his father. Um, and it's, it's not just a, just kind of general mental abuse. Uh, apparently, he uh, the father has dabbled in a little bit of uh demonology or something or some kind of witchcraft or something and something has been possessing his body uh and using it for you know all, all sorts of purposes uh but it all but this is a unique uh demon uh, i suppose because it can sort of 
uh, project itself into someone else's body, usually over the phone. Uh, seems to be its its uh, um, projection of choice. Uh, so uh, this this guy uh, basically gives her a little bit of demonstration as the the demon possesses his body while he's on the phone with uh, his father, and the demon is he's a, I mean he's a fun, kind of a fun demon. He, I mean he's a dick, but he's very randy. Um, he you know he's he's got uh, he's definitely has some issues, but he really just kind of wants to smoke and drink and fuck. Yeah. basically and that you know that's his whole thing and you know as demons go you know that's probably you know a top tier demon i yeah. suppose yeah. uh but you don't necessarily want it possessing you uh because what kind of havoc that can wreck on your life well ultimately uh the the, the relationship gets further and heather graham gets drawn into the situation meets the father played by bruce davidson just things don't really go uh particularly well for her <laughs> and the demon <laughs> starts begin to possess her body on occasion, which uh, makes for some interesting uh, home days uh, with her husband, played by I, I was I say hilariously by Jonathan Sheck yes. in the movie, yes. um, and uh, and she also has a best friend at work, played by a Lovecraft uh, regular yeah. Barbara Crampton uh, yeah. in in a pretty pretty terrific role. Yeah. Uh, and that's more or less what the story is. It's just a series of possession scenes, and there's some murders and a lot of sex uh and just randy behavior and whatnot and you know whether or not this demon is going to get away with it or get locked up forever uh the movie's told in in, in flashback uh from heather graham's perspective she tells barbara crampton about it um and i mean i mean i don't think this is i mean this is not in the same league as reanimator or from beyond um so i mean if people are looking for sort of that level of a lovecraft adaptation it's not quite as gooey and icky as, as, as those movies and maybe not quite as all around fun and violent and all all the things that we love about those movies but this movie does have fun uh and it's the the, the actors are having a lot of fun with the material uh there are there are times during the film where i kind of wish that it would have pushed the boundaries a little bit and maybe gone a little further into that kind of that lovecraftian uh, territory that we love so much uh, I mean, the, the the body hoarder stuff is, I mean, it's mostly possession, so it's kind of minimal uh, as far as the, the gooey stuff that we like from those other movies. But Heather Graham is having a really good time uh, in this film. Uh, Sheck is <laughs> having a blast with this, this husband that's very clueless. Um, I think Judah Lewis is pretty good. Uh, as, as, as the kid, uh, that harbors this demon most of the time. And, uh, it's, it's nice that Barbara Crampton is not just this little cameo of steam that she has. She has a, a fully, uh, fledged character throughout the story and plays a significant part in the finale. And it's the finale really, that really just kind of put me over the top on this. I was just like, this is, this is fun. I'm just want to see how this plays out. And the finale, the climax of this movie, yeah. uh, is nicely done. And really kind of put me over the top. So it's not it's not a huge recommendation, but I am giving it a recommendation because I had fun with it. It never lost my interest, and uh, the actors are having a really good time. And so you will probably have a good time as well. All right, all right, uh, Steve. What do you think? Suitable flesh. Yeah. No. I. I. This is a hearty recommendation for yeah. me for a lot of reasons. Um, I will say Eric and I just saw this documentary about erotic thrillers, uh, and I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, we kill for love. We kill for love. It's like three yeah. hours long and it's not complete, but it, but having just watched that and then seeing this film, there are so many elements of like eighties and nineties erotic thrillers here that are kind of thrown into a blender 
and then tossed in with this sort of Lovecraft, kinky, other dimensional demon fetish. I mean, Jonathan Shrek ba basically... I think I don't think he has a shirt on in this entire movie, and like the dude, the, the dude, the dude can pull it off. He's old, yeah. but he can pull it off, man. Absolutely. And yeah. it is—it's kind of funny. He's either taking it off or putting it on. Like it's a, every time we see him, anyway. But and I will say, just as a little history, I think the history of this movie is fascinating too, because this is an old script that Stuart Gordon was going to make. Yeah. Um, and then he ended up not making it. Um, Crampton actually is a producer on this film. She was, she's the one who, I mean, Stuart Gordon said, let Joe Lynch make this movie if I don't get to. And so he, he, he was handed off this project. Barbara wasn't even going to be in it. And then Joe Lynch kind of begged her to be in this part. And it's one of her best, like, I mean, it's a, it, I shouldn't say it's one of her best. It's, it's the next great performance in a stretch of good performances lately. So, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, and then it, like it, Ab, Graham and Crampton absolutely capture these two very different women, whose bond as friends is what kind of carries them through this ordeal. Um, and and I, if I'm not mistaken, the original story, all all the main characters are men, so they they gender swapped everything too. Uh, I think Lynch did that, but anyway, it's it's it. There's like I think there's a great deal of of bloodletting. Eventually, it gets there. And it's it's so rare to see a film about eroticism of like middle aged women yep. that also makes for a solid horror film, and that's suitable flesh at its core. There's a a lot to dissect here, and thankfully there are plenty of scalpels around to do that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and we should mention this is going to be in theaters and VOD this week, and then it shows up on Shutter in January, if I'm not mistaken. So. Right absolutely check but check this out in theaters if you can find it because yeah. it's I, and i have a great interview with joe lynch that i got at fantastic fest that i'll be running very soon that people should read because we we get into it on this cool. movie so well, follow, anyway. follow follow steve on the on the uh on the uh on the social media to get that yeah and, uh and all that cool stuff and that will, will that be on third coast as well um yeah yeah movie? it's on third that'll be on okay. third coast okay cool make sure everybody checks very it out. soon yeah, I dug this. I I love this movie. I thought it was great. I had a blast, and uh, and 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 I I can't say enough about the two women in this movie. Um, I mean, Barbara Crampton's always fucking great. She's just you know, and this and this material is right up her alley. You know what I mean? Like she's as you as we've said, she used to work on this stuff with uh, with Stuart Gordon. You know, uh, the late great Stuart Gordon, and and she knows she knows this territory like the back of her hand, and she's fantastic. It's a great performance. It's awesome, but I gotta say, man, Heather Graham rules in this movie. <laughs> she's fucking great in this movie and really is having a blast. And it's the first part in a, like is Heather Graham, you know, I've always been a fan of hers. You know, I think, I, I don't know if she gets slighted over the years uh, because she's done some stupid films in the past, but I really, when she's good, she's like extraordinary. And, and, you know, and, and when she, when she knocks one out of the park, I'm always happy for her. Cause I'm always rooting for Heather Graham. She's always been one of my favorites. And she's unbelievable in this. And, and it's, she's having so much fun. And she's, it, you know, the stuff that she gets to do is crazy <laughs> and, and out of mm -hmm. control. And, um, you know, and the way this thing builds up. I mean, all the performances are great. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's gross. It's gory. And again, if you can see it in theaters, please get out there and see it. And what's interesting is that this is going to show up, as you said, on Shudder. And I, and I wanted to remind everybody that, um, you know, since we're talking about, we're going to get into some movies that you should check out for, for Halloween that are horror movies. But since we're on new stuff, Suitable Flesh is in theaters and you should check it out. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely, uh, Lovecraft fans are going to love it. 
And if you're just a horror fan, you want to see some really cool bloodletting and some really funny shit and some performances that are great and over the top and horror awesomeness, definitely check it out. And then it'll be on Shudder. But I also want to recommend, because I don't think we, we uh, did, we didn't review When Evil Lurks, did we? Uh, on, no. Um, no. I want to mention that one really quickly because I don't think it's still in theaters. I think it was only in theaters for a week. But uh-huh. it's on Shudder now. It finally made it to Shudder. When Evil Lurks is one of the best, I think it's one of the best films of the year. And certainly one of the best fucking horror movies of the year. Like a <laughs> deeply, deeply disturbing and fucked up movie. Um, <laughs> and that one's out there too. So if you want to check that out, you guys liked it. I know, Steve, I know you liked oh, Evil yeah. Lurks. Oh, yeah. Um, I like Eric the first would, half. The first half. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm with it 100%. I'm with it 100%. Yeah. And so when Evil Lurks is now on Shudder, and that played in theaters for a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, and now following in the, in the footsteps of When Evil Lurks, you've got the very different, it's a completely different movie, um, but you have the very, very great, uh, if you're a horror film fan, Suitable Flesh, see it in the theaters, and then it'll be on Shudder. Shudder continuing to just kick monstrous amounts of ass. <laughs> Um, that's my it, it, honest to God. It's my favorite streaming service of all the streaming services I have. Str- Str- Shutter is my favorite, and they yeah. are fantastic. And on top of that, you know, and Steve, you can you can attest to this. They sponsored the Music Box of Horror, uh, the, yeah. or the bri- Bride of the Music Box of Horror. So they're a big like sponsor in October. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> all all everything. all the amazing horror related shit that the Music Box is doing. You can thank Shutter for that. And if you don't subscribe to Shutter. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't advertise on this podcast. I'd like them to shutter. If you're out there, it would be fantastic <laughs> if you would like to be a sponsor on this podcast, because trust me, I'm a huge fan. Um, I'd love to have you guys, uh, as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, as a, you know, as, as an advertiser, uh, sponsor, but they do great work and it's the best streaming service ever. So right there, two <laughs> of the best horror movies, one of which I think is one of the best movies of the year, uh, available on shutter, but go to the theater to see suitable flesh. It's fantastic. So, all right, there you go. So two bad ones. And one great one. And, uh, and that last one is a horror movie. So let's get into that. It is, uh, you know, Tuesday is Halloween. It's a weekend now. And on the weekend before Halloween, a lot of people like to watch scary movies. So I thought we would each pick three movies. Uh, and we'll do a round robin thing. Pick a title. Talk a little bit about it and why you should watch it on Halloween. Recommending everybody to see it. And I, tried, I picked a couple of, uh, I picked three movies that, that are kind of off the beaten path that more people should see. Um, so those are the ones that I chose. So whatever you guys wanted to, to pick, you picked. So let's start. Eric, you go with your first choice. We're going to do uh, three each. Eric, what's your first choice for a recommended uh, horror movie? Okay. Well, uh, since you were just talking about Shudder, I looked all of these up to make sure that they were available uh, on a streaming service that you don't have to pay for, um, or you know, as long as you have a subscription. Uh, and on Shudder, I looked up, they have Lucky McKee's May oh, is on Shudder. You know, and I, I mean, I, I don't have to sell it to the crowd that you know I'm talking <laughs> right. to right now, right. obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this is one of these movies that, even though you know people have heard, probably heard about it from probably from us talking about it yeah, over yeah. the years, this is just one of the great horror movies. I mean, Roger Ebert gave this movie four stars. Yep. So I mean, and and I think we all did too. Yep. Uh, but it, you know, Angela Bettis plays this very shy, uh, lonely girl with a lazy eye uh, that uh, works at a, a, a veterinarian's office, and she meets this guy played by Jeremy Sisto and they form a relationship and it's just about you know the, her like the breakdown of her psyche and how this relationship goes and she just wants a friend 
in her life. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, it basically turns into a Frankenstein tale. But with such panache, uh, Angela Bettis, one of the great horror performances, yep. I think, of all time. Of all time. Anna Ferris is hilarious in this yep. movie. Uh, and just, I mean, if you're if you're not on board for the for the final moment of this movie, then you were never on board to yeah. begin with. Uh, but the final moment is just a, an all timer. And it's beautiful. Uh, May it's beautiful. is on Shutter. Yeah. It's, it's May is on Shutter. I I echo everything you said about that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. I think it's one of the best horror movies of the past twenty years. Uh, so yeah. without question. All right, Steve, what's your choice first? Yeah, just very quickly. When when I think of watching movies in Halloween, I think of getting a group of people together. So I'm going for mm. things that maybe they haven't yeah. heard of or seen, yeah. but yeah. still popular among us. But maybe the mainstream folks haven't seen. So my first choice is the 1963 version of The Haunting uh, by Robert Wise, yeah. uh, based on Shirley Jackson's novel, The Haunting of Hill House. Um, it's you know your basic. It's it is like the template for every haunted house movie that came after it basically. And it, and it's, it's very like, it's beautiful widescreen black and white. Um, some of, some of the best sound design you're ever going to hear in, in any movie, but in particular in a haunt, in a, in a horror movie. Um, and just like this powerhouse performance by Julie Harris as this woman who is, who has some sort of, sort of latent, um, I guess there's psychic abilities that somehow make her more attuned to what, whatever the spirits that are in the mansion are doing. And it, and it kind of drives her crazy. And they also are trying to seduce her into the house. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. The performances are great in it. Um, it's, it's, you know, and it's a great, it's a great story just to like uh, hear the backstory of this house and all of the like violent death and insanity that goes along with it. And like I said, you, you can literally draw a straight line from just about any haunted house movie made after it to this movie. Cause this was, this was kind of the blueprint and, yeah. um, and yeah, just a, a phenomenal film that I don't think a lot of people have seen. And, and, uh, I know when the music box, uh, a couple years ago did a black and white widescreen series. Um, this was on the short list, but it didn't actually get played cause we thought we'd do one that was like another series like it that was just about gothic horror stuff and we just never got to it so that yeah see this if you can see it on a screen obviously see it but just just watch it it's, it's great a classic absolute classic yeah. uh one of the most uh influential horror movies especially in the in the in the haunted house genre it doesn't get better yeah. than that it just doesn't get right. better than that uh, all right my my first choice is and again i i'm, I'm going a little uh, off the beaten path here my first choice is a movie called You Won't Be Alone. Um, this is a Macedonian film, um, an Australian Macedonian film, from a, a director named Goran Stolevsky, who uh, did two movies this year, one of which just played Sif, and, uh, and uh, an earlier one called uh, Of an Age, which is one of my favorite films of the year. There's, this is a guy who's done three different movies, and, and you couldn't tell they were from the same director, except that they're all good. That's the only thing that they have in common, is that they're all really great. This movie, You Won't Be Alone, is about a shape-shifting witch that goes into different uh, beings and possesses them in the 19th century in Macedonia, um, you know, like on the, in, in, in the wild. Um, it's filled with a bunch of amazing performances. The, the only person that people would know from this is Nomi uh, Rapace is in it. You wouldn't, wouldn't know anybody else. And it's in Macedonia, and it's subtitled. And the way I describe this movie is if... Terrence Malick were to make a gross <laughs> shape-shifting witch movie, this would be it. I think it is an extraordinary piece of work. It was one of my favorite movies of last year. It has a very hypnotic and very amazing spell. 
As in, again, if if you're in for if you're in the mood for kind of a gross Terrence Malick like horror movie, a piece of poetry, you can't do better than that. And that's uh, you won't be alone. I think you guys like that movie, if I'm not mistaken. We did. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yep. love that movie. So that's my third. That's my that's uh, the first choice for me. Eric, what's your second okay. choice? Uh, my second choice. Uh, people probably know this movie a little bit more, but there's probably still a lot of people that haven't seen it. Steve chose a film that got remade. Uh, I'm choosing an actual remake, um, and it's the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Just saw just it on the played. big screen. Just saw it on yeah. the big screen at the music box, man. <laughs> just damn. played at the music box, a new hell, 4K restoration. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> yeah, this is the movie uh, that I still remember. My dad took me home from a carnival early so we could see it as the ABC Night Movie of the Week. Yeah, man. And uh, it messed me up, but it put yeah. me on the path to love Body Snatcher movies for the rest of my life, yep. pretty much. And this is, I mean, it's it's creepy in a completely different way than the original version. It's about something completely different, uh, but Donald Sutherland and Leonard Nimoy and Goldblum and Bro- Brooke Adams and, uh, you know, the, the ending has become Robert, a GIF, Robert, so it's just, Robert, Robert Duvall. Robert, Robert Duvall, who did the movie for a members-only jacket. Uh, that, uh, that's, the, that's the lore behind him doing it. Just give me a members-only jacket, and I'll sit on the swing. And, oh, the, one of the creepiest cameos in the it's movie amazing. history. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Blink and you'll miss it him, was, though, it was, it was no. funny. It was funny because they, nobody mentioned that you know, during the introduction at the Music Box yeah. last week. And like a lot of people, when they asked the, the, the whoever did the introduction, uh, asked um, how many people have never seen this movie, and a lot of people raised their hand. Oh, you know what? It was... Um, Ryan did the introduction for this. Mm, uh, the guy okay. who, who, uh, so he asked how many people saw it. A bunch of people raised their hand. And those people during that moment where you get like a close-up of inexplicably with no lines, <laughs> Robert Duvall on a swing dressed as a priest, people were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> And you expect him to be, I mean, as Sutherland and Nemo and Gold, you expect him to be be in the damn movie. That's it. That's it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Creepy priest on a children's oh, playground, fantastic. Uh, possibly a pod person. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I mean, yeah. No, this movie is this movie is an all timer. It's one of my favorite yeah. horror films, science yeah. fiction films, whatever it is of all time. It's on Prime, Amazon Prime Video. Cool. So that's where you can check this one and, out. And I maintain, and I, and I maintain that all four. Ver- this is a very very unusual thing. I, I maintain that all four body snatcher movies are great. Um, I, I like the fifty eight version. Uh, with, uh, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I love Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 78. I love the Abel Ferrar version uh, from uh, 92, 93. 90, uh, body yeah, Snatchers. 93, 94. And then yeah. the Invasion. I even back that, even though it's uh, it's the weakest of the four. The one with Do the you Cold back Cameron. the Puppet Masters? Uh, the, uh, yeah. No, actually, yeah, the Puppet Masters are fine. But, like, the ones I don't that like are... That one. I like that one okay, too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm into that. I'm into all of those. But I And, and the yeah. one that I think, the one that I think is, is the one that really needs to be seen by more people because the other ones are pretty popular in the invasion not so much but really the the Abel Ferrar one man a lot of people have not seen that fucking Meg Tilly is terrifying in that movie the whole mm-hmm. movie is scary but she's got where are you gonna go where are you gonna hide that whole goddamn thing man <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that movie I love it that's so, yeah. available on AFC plus Fair, you gotta check, check that, that out. out if you've not seen you gotta check it out alright yeah. Steve what do you got next so I, f- I figured I at least ought to take a gander at some of the actual Halloween movies like the <laughs> from that series. And I'm like, oh, wait, I, I know which one I'm putting on this list. And of course, it's Halloween three season of the witch. Hell so, yeah, um, <laughs> because because I mean, you know, you want the kids to see this one, of course, because yeah. you want them singing the song. You want them the Silver <laughs> Samrock song. And it's it, it's a great it's another it's a great um, not not dissimilar from uh 
from Invasion of the Body Snatchers in terms of the yeah. paranoia experiment, like just yeah. like yeah. when everything seems like it's against you. And plus, fucking Tom Atkins is He's such a man. goddamn <laughs> stud in this movie. Yeah. It is crazy, and I'm so glad we've we've gotten to know him over the years because because yeah. this is one of my favorite movies to talk to him about. And um, but yeah, this is this is this is the one that was supposed to be the, the the set the tone for like what the Halloween series was meant to be and never ended up being like more of a, a different story for each movie. And of course it went completely back to the, the well uh, every time after, but man, this whole idea of brainwashing children and like ancient rituals and witchcraft. And like, it's, it's so bonkers and so much fun. And if, and I think like a lot of people just don't even know this movie exists because it's not a Michael Myers movie. And right. like a lot of main, a lot of people who don't like specialize in this um, just have no idea what this movie is. And it's, it's to me, it's the most fun. Like it's yeah. the most fun of, yeah. of all the Halloween movies. And, and it's just like a complete trip. And yes, Tom Atkins, he rules. Yeah. barrel-chested hero. I, I will say this. I will say this. When that movie came out, I was I was there opening weekend and uh, yeah. I, the fucking people were mad. I remember my, <laughs> my 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 friends were all pissed and I loved it. And my friends were all pissed. Everybody's mad. And then of course, you know, 35 years later, you know, 30 years later, suddenly people love the movie and I love the fact yeah. that there is there is a very passionate following to this movie now. And I love that cuz mm-hmm. I'll tell you something, back in 82 when this goddamn thing came out, or 81 uh, when it came out, man. It was, no, 82, 82 when it came out. Uh, everybody hated it, but I loved it. So good choice. Right. Um, my next one is another foreign film. Um, <laughs> and it's called uh, Husera the Bone Woman, um, <laughs> which I think is a, 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 an absolutely terrifying movie, but also an incredibly uh, uh, passionate movie about what women have to go through uh, uh, in, in being a woman and 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 childbirth, uh, Michelle Garza uh, Cervera uh, directed this, and I saw it at you guys at, at the Chicago Critics Film Festival a couple of years ago, um, and I think it's one of the best uh, and, and creepiest and most effective and most powerful uh, feminist horror movies ever made. Uh, wait, wait, wait! And, Did we play this, Eric? This one we no, no not S- this S- one. Sif, I think Sif played it last year. Oh, is that what they? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sif, All right, well, I think it was okay. an After Dark. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. okay. I saw it at the music box though. Then maybe that's yeah, why yeah, I got. I got okay. Yeah, I got all fucked up. Did. Okay, sorry. All right, when yeah, I saw yeah. it, at no, Sif, no. I saw it at Sif last year. Yeah, and yeah. I and I think it's amazing. I, it's an absolutely yeah. amazing movie that uh, blew my mind and is powerful and a great feminist horror movie and creepy as shit. And women who see this movie are going to fucking freak out, especially women who are pregnant, are going to completely, <laughs> completely freak out when they see it. But uh, I had to choose that one because it's kind of under the radar and it's a foreign movie. And I absolutely think it's terrifying. So uh, Husera, the Bone Woman, and I believe that's available uh, on uh, uh, on a pay uh, 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 on a streaming service. I'm sure you can find it. So it's uh, also very, uh, one of a great example of a very culturally specific horror yes, movie, too. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a, I gave that a very positive review. And Eric, you like that one too, sure. right? Hey, Sarah? Yeah. 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 I did. Yeah. I did catch up with that. I did like All right, it. Cool. Okay. All right. What's the last one you're choosing, Eric? Uh, my last one um, might be the most uh, obscure one of the bot of the bunch, but it's one that I've been recommending for years ever since I saw it at the the South by Southwest uh, Film Festival. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus, and it's a movie called The Loved Ones. 
Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, written and directed by Sean Byrne, uh, and it's it's an Australian film about a kid who loses his father in an accident. Uh, he's in high school, and he's got a got a girlfriend, but there's a shy girl at school that really wants to ask him to the prom. Uh, and she eventually gets her wish, but basically by kidnapping him uh, and bringing her back to his house, to her house where her and her dad hold him captive, uh, so she can have her little prom yeah. night. Uh, it is an insane it movie, is. And, and I have only skimmed the surface of yeah. what goes on in this movie. Uh, and it is, I mean, if you, I mean, yeah, just watch the loved ones. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus. Uh, yeah. Thank me later or don't. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it, it's pretty amazing. And then if you like that one, the director also did another movie called The Devil's Candy. I love it. Uh, with, yeah. uh, which is pretty great as well. Uh, love that's it. available on AMC Plus, uh, that's yeah. streaming. So check both of those movies those out. Those are great. From Sean Byrne. Those guy great. needs to work more. No shit. I agree with you. Great choices, Eric. Great fucking choices, without question. All right, Steve, what's, what's the last one for you? Know, you? My last one actually shifted because uh, after the Music Box of Horrors marathon, I rewatched a film I haven't seen in a while. And the way it went over with the crowd, most of whom who had never seen it before, went apeshit for it is Wreck. The Spanish film, yeah. it's R-E-C in brackets, like record. And it's I, it's not really found footage. It's more like a, a live, like a camera crew going into a, a situation uh, and they get trapped in this apartment building with all the residents of the building. And there's something weird going on that they think is is maybe like rabies or something. But it turns out to be something much worse than that. And so it's but it's all sort of filmed from the perspective of the camera crew. And there's an anchor there's like a reporter with them, this woman uh, who's kind of guiding them. And it is a, it's terrifying. And B when when you haven't seen it before and don't really know what you're in for this cr i've never heard a crowd at the music box go this crazy and scream yeah. this much and yeah. just lose their shit and afterwards they were they're like there's three more of these things and yeah. like i will say two and three are just as good for different reasons but um yeah this is this is a hell of a and, movie and, and and yeah, we, we should mention Spain. we we should mention the original. Yeah. Don't get the don't do the remake because the well, the remake is in America was called uh, fuck uh, quarantine was right quarantine yeah quarantine yeah, it was yeah, called yeah. quarantine yeah. yes oh, definitely not that no no no, no. this is no. wreck this is Spanish yeah uh, it is it is tremendous yeah <laughs> so, it's great anyway check not that right. out all right my my the last one the one that I'm picking is uh, a movie that completely freaked me out scared the shit out of me. Uh, and contains what I think is one of the best performances of, of uh, ever, and that's uh, uh, David Bruckner's *The Night House*, uh, with oh, yeah. uh, a performance by Rebecca Hall I, I, it, that is otherworldly. I mean, she's amazing anyway. Uh, I mean, like she was like, you guys now you you showed *Resurrection* at the Chicago Film. Oh yeah, that was you. Okay, that was <laughs> yeah. you guys, right? I want to make that sure I get. Okay, that was you guys. Hey, yeah. yeah. All right. So Rebecca Hall, <laughs> Rebecca Hall, fucking rules. She's ruled forever. She's been great since she started making movies. She can do anything. She's one of the best actresses on the goddamn planet. And if you see her name on a movie, you know she's going to be great in it. And even if the movie sucks, there will be one good thing about it, and that would be Rebecca Hall. Now, this movie, <laughs> The Night House, is a terrifying movie, absolutely horrif horrifyingly creepy ghost movie that is also an incredible movie about grief. And uh, mm -hmm. she loses her husband to suicide, and she lives in the house where he killed himself outside, and the house is haunted maybe by him 
and all kinds of really creepy shit happens. It's a great haunted house movie. It's a devastating movie about grief and about suicide. And it is li- it is anchored by an unbelievable performance by Rebecca Hall, um, like truly one of the one of the great. You you know you were talking about Angela Bettis in May, and I've mentioned mm-hmm. like uh, Tony Collette and Hereditary, mm-hmm. and yeah. and throw, throwing uh, you know this performance in that mix of like the best actress performances in the history of horror. I think that Rebecca Hall's performance in the Nighthouse is right up there with all of these other incredible performances. It's a devastating, heartbreaking performance that is really deep and significant. And also the movie is scary as shit. Like it freaks the shit out of me. I've seen it a bunch of times. And every time I watch it, there are moments in the movie where I'm like, what the fuck? And I've seen it a bunch of times. <laughs> um, Sarah Goldberg from Barry plays her, uh, her mm-hmm. sister in it. She's fantastic. And, uh, and Vondi Curtis Hall has a small role in it, too, and he's great. But this is kind of a one-woman show in an, an exceptionally scary, very, very creepy haunted house movie. A great movie about death and about uh, grief. Uh, the Night House. Uh, so that's my that's the one I wanted to. I wanted to when I uh, interviewed her uh, a few years ago when, for directing uh, Passing. Yeah. I, I took like two or three minutes out of my interview just to talk about this movie because we you know, yes. never got a chance to talk to her about it. And I was like, we I just need to talk to you about this or and, I'm going to break. Like, and the other thing is it came out. It came out like right during when COVID was still happening. Yeah. And nobody yeah. was going to the theaters. When I saw it, I was like, there were like two people in the theater. We were all masked up. We had gloves on. We were like, it was like fucking boy in the plastic bubble. <laughs> and it was worth it. And I saw it, I saw it three times in the theater during that time. Uh, and I've seen it a bunch of times since. And now I'm looking at my list. I didn't even realize this. Holy shit. And I, this was seriously, these were the first three that popped into my head. They're all female driven. I didn't yeah. even, <laughs> I didn't even, honest yeah. to God, I didn't even think about this. Uh, but yes, they are. All, all three of them. Um, <laughs> Holy shit, you Sarah, you won't be a uh, you won't be alone in the Nighthouse. They're all ch- they're all mm-hmm. feminist horror movies. Okay, weird. I don't know where that came from, but there you go. All right. And Resurrection which you mentioned uh is also yeah. streaming on Hulu and Shutter right oh, now. Man. So that's check so that goddamn one out too. good. Tim, Tim Roth <laughs> and Tim Roth, man. Enjoy the last 15 oh. minutes of that movie. Yeah, have oh. fun. Have fun <laughs> yeah. during the last 15. You want to talk about an audience that goes a little ape shit. I saw that at your fest. <laughs> And yeah. during the last 15 minutes, people were like, oh, oh my God. You know, it was, it was, it was <laughs> fucking fantastic. So anyway. Yeah. All right, cool. Great choices. So there you go. You got uh, uh, nine films to, 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 from us to check out uh, during, uh, during Halloween season. Everybody have a great time. And what do we got uh, the next time we speak? We're going to be like second week in November. Uh, any, any? The Marvels. Marvels, Dream oh, yeah, scenario, Marvels. right? Dream and scenario, Dream scenario and Dream uh, the holdovers, and the holdovers. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. wow. Okay, some actual movies Big to review, week. as opposed yeah. to like uh, Five <laughs> no, no, Nights. Oh no, Eric, holdovers is next week. Holdovers. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, they just get moved up yeah, to yeah. next week. They did. Well, we'll yeah, yeah, talk yeah, about okay. it then. Yeah, we can talk about it, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, okay, cool. Eric, uh, but, Steve, uh, thank you guys. Wait, wait. I should mention Nick on the tenth though. Birth, rebirth hits Shutter. Oh, it does. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> so Birth, Rebirth anyway. will hit Shudder. That's also yeah. one of my favorite movies. Uh, another feminist horror movie. Direct- yes. yes. <laughs> so amazing. Yes. Uh, all right. Directed by the amazing Laura Moss. They are a fantastic yeah. director without question. Okay, cool. So that's something to all look right. forward to as well. All right, guys. Thanks, man. See you, see you soon. Thanks. All right. Sounds there good. you go. That's, uh, that's Steve. That's Eric. And those are great horror movies. Happy Halloween. And uh, speaking of Halloween... Uh, We've got to get to uh, Esmeralda right here. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esma, I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon, 
Time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, uh, who we love having on the podcast every episode. And it's Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, as we record this, um, we are just less than 12 hours past um, our uh, live uh, podcast show that we did at Zany's last night in Rosemont. Yeah. That was fun. That was a good time. That was a lot of fun. Very good time. Good, nice crowd. Very fun, fun, fun people, friendly mm-hmm. people. Andrea was delightful. Andrea Darlis was our special guest. Yeah, yeah, and so, and she was she was delightful and fun, and that was cool. And um, you know, it was you know, as I've mentioned, my dad was not able to make it because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. he hurt he hurt his knee, and he's not you know he's got to you know it takes a long time to recover from like when you hurt yourself when you're 82. So yeah. My dad had to uh, tell his jokes because he closes every live podcast show that we do with jokes. My dad had to tell his jokes over the phone. Um, and he killed. He did, he did very well, even over the phone. He was the highlight of the show. Oh, yeah. He did great. Yeah. And they were good jokes. They were, yeah. Um, I, I'm a particular fan of the, um, the, Bobby, the Bobby Fisher joke um, mm-hmm. where, where it took two hours to pass the salt because the tablecloth was checkered <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny and then he, he went blue on the other ones they were they were both sex jokes mm-hmm. one was a viagra joke well, you know one, yeah he's got to expand yeah and not only that but i mean you're in a comedy club so it's like i think my dad feels exactly. the need exactly you know when you're when you're when you're doing a you know a show and you're at you're on like my dad didn't didn't tell his jokes till around 9 30 last night you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of late. It's in the comedy club at Zany's in Rosemont. So you think, yeah, I think I got to I got to work blue. So but anyway, yeah, it was fun. So my thanks to everybody who came out. We're working on doing another uh, another live podcast thing um, at Rosemont uh, Zany's probably in December at some point early in December. So before like that, you know, that little that little short rest period that people get between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think that's when we're going to squeeze it in. On some, on got it. So that'll 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 probably be the next time we do it. But it was fun, and my thanks to everybody who came out. It was lovely, and uh, we got uh, you know a lot of people took pictures. Um, and my girlfriend actually videoed the entire phone call with my dad's jokes. Oh, nice. So I actually that's online. If you want to check it out, on my, it's on my Facebook. If you if, if you want to check it out on my Facebook, if you follow me on my socials, it's it's up there. But you can actually hear my dad's jokes uh, as he told them live, which is kind of fun. So. And then I called him this morning, Esmeralda, to say hi to him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, uh, did I do okay? And I'm like, yes, Dad. <laughs> you did, you great. did great. You did great. You were very, very funny, and the crowd was great, and they cheered for it. He's like, they just cheered because I'm your, I'm your father. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They don't give a shit about me. <laughs> you have to trust me. They don't give a shit about me. They, they like you. And so anyway, but, but it was great. So anyway, my thanks to everybody who came out. My thanks to everybody at Zany's and Rosemont. Uh, everybody does such a great job there. The staff is so cool. Um, and you know, you know, Esmeralda, during the um, during the the show, we talked about like um, bad Halloween candy, mm-hmm. and had an interesting conversation with the crowd because a lot of people disagreed with the list, and you know, there were fans of Three Musketeers in the audience and fans of 
even people like candy corn. There were a lot of people. Um, oh, so you found but, some of your people. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found some people who actually, there were people in the audience who actually liked candy corn. I thought I was the only person on the planet that liked candy corn. I, I like candy corn, um, I, you know. But um, I talked, we talked about like, what was it called? Bootleg gummies is what they called it on that list, right? Bootleg gummies. So, right. Whatever isn't how The list only. Yeah, apparently the list only considers um, what the Haribo and what else. And well, no, I or mentioned the Haribo. Yeah, just Haribo on the list. But then I mentioned Albanese uh, because the Albanese gummies are fucking delicious. They're great. Yeah. And um, and I was like, yeah, the Albanese guy, I think they're better than Haribo. And then um, at the end of the night, uh, one of the great staff members at Zany's came up and gave me a giant plastic cup filled with Albanese gummies. <laughs> And she's like, we had these in the back. And I heard you say you liked Albanese gummies. And I got, I walked out with like a pound of Albanese gummies. That was the best thing ever. Oh, goodness. That was the wow. best thing ever, man. So, but yeah. And then what was really weird was when you and, uh, and I and, and Colin were walking to the blue line, you know, to take the train home, the headquarters for Haribo is located in one of the business buildings in Rosemont across the street from the mall. Yeah. Which yeah, I thought yeah. was really weird. Did you know that? Did you know that like there was a? I did not. No, no, no. That was really. I thought that was really strange. Like, like a, it was a you know like a major part of the candy conversation that we had at the podcast. We walk out and <laughs> there it listening. is. I'm like, what is happening? And then of course we were talking about we were joking about how you know there there are adults in there right now having a board meeting where they're talking like toddlers because that's that's so stupid. Right. <laughs> But anyway, so anyway, again, fun, uh, great night. I I walked out with some Albanese uh, uh, gummies, so that made me happy, and we'll do it again in December. So thanks, everybody, for coming out and uh, and all that cool stuff. And it was a lot of fun, and you were great, as always, Esmeralda. It was so much fun talking oh, to you. Oh, thank you. So yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a great time. And, and it's always great to see uh, Andrea. She's she's fantastic. Told some great stories, and uh, and it was awesome. So anyway, all right, but now it's time we uh, to, to do a little. Yeah! 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 yeah. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. No, hi, Carrie. You, uh, you can't. Don't take all the gummies. She's taking the. Hey. God damn. It. <laughs> hi, I'm Carrie Russell, I'm and I love Nick's show. <laughs> You've tempted him. So I know. There you, go. you took the gummies and ran. All right, well, I have to get him off the black back porch a little bit later on. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, hey, uh, do we know where this guy is? Michael Bolton. <laughs> Because I keep getting, people keep giving me updates on stuff, and I always forget where he is. And I know that he's he's going to be and in gentlemen, He's going to be in Michael Waukegan. Bolton. Right. Um, that's that's not till December. Or I'm yeah. sorry, that's not till next year. That's so. next year, right? Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, a, that's February. The, that's the third leg of the Michael Bolton uh, tour. Yeah. It's not till February. Okay. Mm -hmm, All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because people are. Yeah, the next time we'll be with him will be in December. In December. Yeah, we'll be in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo. Okay, cool. Cool. All right, Buffalo, New York. All right. Well, uh, so so people keep people keep wondering where he is cuz and of course, if you want to yeah. find out, you know, if this is Michael Bolton Central. And gentlemen, right Michael Bolton. Yes. So if you mm -hmm. if you're if you're wondering where he is. No, we've uh, you know, he's taken a little hiatus, so yeah. we haven't we haven't seen him. Yeah, it's been uh, a while. Since, yeah, we haven't seen him since September in portugal that's right <laughs> yeah we had a lovely time with him 
Uh, I always forget that we saw him in Portugal. Yeah. It was a, it was a lovely yeah. time. Yeah, a mm-hmm. lovely time in Portugal. We uh, won't be we won't be back with our with Mike until December sixth in yeah. Buffalo, New York, and then he'll be at the New Winds or the Four Winds Casino, the eighth in New Buffalo, Michigan. Oh, in New Buffalo, Michigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so we got to go to the casino. We got, are we gonna do a little gambling while we're there, Esmeralda? I guess I don't know how I don't know how Michael Bolton rolls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can get a little money off of Michael Bolton, play some bets for him. Maybe uh, right. Yeah, he might be know. that kind of guy. We'll have yeah. to ask him next time we see him. <laughs> I wonder if he where where is Michael Bolton from? I never asked him all these years that we've known him, Esmeralda. All the time that we've traveled, right. I don't know where he's from, so I don't know if he's got like if we if we go to the casino and we do some sports betting. I don't know if he's got an allegiance to a certain team because I don't know where he's from. Do we do we know where? Do, have you ever asked Michael Bolton in all the personal personal time and private time that you spent with Michael Bolton? Um, you know, it's never oddly it's ever come up, but he is from Connecticut. He's from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So he's uh, East Coast. So he's probably a fan of, uh, I would guess, what the New York teams. I would guess. Right, like uh, the Patriots, I guess. You know, with the Patriots, but yeah, that's yeah. Doesn't that take up all of New England? That's all of New <laughs> is England. Connecticut, yeah. New England. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's in that area. Okay. So so he's a Patriots fan. So uh, and maybe he's just like a Celtics or or a Red Sox fan. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so we'll have to do some we'll have to do some betting for him at the casinos. You know. Um, what are we at? We're in football season, right? Is that where we are? Yeah, we're football season. Uh, yes. Hockey, unless he's a Bruins I fan. So. If he's a Bruins yeah, fan, I've then seen, we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably loves all sports. Okay, because he's Michael Bolton. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. So we'll see him at the casino. Uh, but but first in December, uh, on December sixth, he's in Buffalo. So. Uh, yeah, right. Buffalo, New York, and then Buffalo, New Buffalo, Michigan. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Michael Bolton. That's right. There you go. All right. Well, we got we get getting back into the normal groove of things. So right, yeah. our normal <laughs> hobnobbing with Michael Bolton. <laughs> now you know when you head off to um, uh, um, New Orleans, you're you and you and Colin are going to New Orleans for for how long? Are you guys mm-hmm. going to be there? But uh, like five uh, days? Just four days. Yeah. Four days. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, you planning on meeting Michael? Maybe, maybe you know, since Michael Bolton is taking a little break from his uh, from his tour, right? Is, is maybe he'll meet I mean, you down I've in New Orleans? Sh- I've shot him a text, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah. He likes to keep us on our toes and surprise us. Now, for people who are, you know, I, I don't, you know, this is not. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to break the mystery and break the magic, but we're, you know, we we record these things ahead of time. I mean, I think you know that. I think people know that. Are you actually? Yeah, not, well, I, I, we do say it every time. So. We do, we do. <laughs> <laughs> if people haven't caught on by now, then I don't know what to say. I, uh, I just don't. But right. <laughs> are you actually? You guys are going to be in New Orleans on Halloween, then, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. I, man, that's like the best place to be for Halloween because it's one of the spookiest and haunted and voodooish-ish places on earth what a great way to do you guys have you thought about like um like do you, have you, do you have anything specific planned for that night for halloween night in new orleans you have you planned anything specific or no um no from what we've noticed it's you really just go out and yeah. you'll see fun things and yeah um really a lot of the things unfortunately are like the weekend before we're there <laughs> so yeah there's well, nothing like specific we're gonna go do even though Halloween is on a Tuesday, uh, 
I, you know, here's the thing. I've been in New Orleans several times, and and days don't really uh, blend. They blend together. <laughs> like yeah. you, don't, you don't really know. Like like even though New even though this year Halloween does not fall on a weekend, it falls on a Tuesday. That really doesn't mm-hmm. matter because like, well, I mean, you know, Tuesdays are a big deal in in uh, in New Orleans because of course we had Fat Tuesday, which is insane for Mardi Gras. But just because Halloween falls on a Tuesday, it doesn't mean they're not going to party their asses off. Right. You know, like in the streets for Halloween. But what a great place to spend Halloween, man. I'd never been there for Halloween. I bet it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. Everything is haunted. The whole goddamn city is haunted. It's so cool. Such a great place. So, um, all right. Well, uh, so anyway, I just didn't know if you had anything specific. But spending Halloween in New Orleans, I think you guys are going to have a blast. I think that's going to be so much fun. So, all right, very, very cool. Uh, maybe they'll play this. I think they'll play that in the streets. Hopefully that would be... through the streets, yeah. There'll yeah. be a whole parade. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if not, you should bring it along. Just like blast it on a, you know. Yeah, just uh, I'll make my own parade because, yeah. you know, you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, have fun in Halloween. This guy wishes you a good time. Into my eyes. Gotcha. I think he's probably spent some time in uh, in New Orleans, I would guess. Oh, I'm yeah. yeah. I'm sure he's lived many centuries. He's had to have uh, passed yeah. through at some point. Yeah, and oh, and uh, and speaking of New Orleans, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, off of uh, off of the air here before we started recording about some of your favorite um, sort of horror movies. And speaking of New Orleans, we talked about Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's a really cool thing to do is you can visit Anne Rice's estate. Oh, which is really cool, man. And then there's like an Anne Rice uh, tour that you can do in New Orleans where you can check out all of the locations from her books and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. If you're a fan of the books or you're a fan of, uh, you know, of the movies, um, I took the Anne Rice tour one, one year when I was there, and it's, uh, it's pretty cool because she's so closely associated with Yeah. With oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah. So make sure you try, try and take advantage of that. Do the Anne Rice tour. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, I love that movie. I, I loved that movie until the very – I hated the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, like the last scene, um, it, it it pissed me off so much. Like I was like, God damn, because I hated I hated the last scene in the movie. And um, and then I, I had to be reminded by my ex wife while we were you know when it ended, she's like, Yeah, but you liked the first two hours of the movie, you idiot. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that could be very disappointing. Yeah. Now you've so have you read the books? Have you read the uh, the interview books or the the, no. the Lestat books? No, I haven't. Because um, they're great, and they did a, a magnificent job with the with the with the movie. Your Tom Cruise, and it's all it's all hunks. That movie is just all beautiful men. Oh yeah, I mean, it's... that's I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> think about it, like, well, no, like vampires are chosen. Yeah. So whoever's you know biting them, they're not just biting anybody because they're going to live. Essentially, they're going to live forever. Yeah, and you do not need. Some you don't need some uggos hanging around you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're gonna turn some good-looking people. 
Yeah, you want people that you want good looking men, good looking guys to be. Yeah, you want some people easy on the eyes. So, so they're gonna be here forever, and you're gonna have to deal with them all the time. (laughs) That's true. And but I remember, like, wow, man, everybody is hot in this movie because you have yeah Tom Mm -hmm. Cruise, and he looks good with the long hair. He looks great with the long hair. So you got Tom Cruise, you got uh, Brad Pitt. I mean, that goes without saying. Mm -hmm. Ben Dejas. I mean, Jesus Christ. You know, there's. uh, I, I. I mean. There are very few men as handsome as Antonio Banderas in the world. Yeah. Um, and he's and, like, this is like peak. Oh, yeah. Oh, peak. Peak and, Antonio Banderas. Yeah. And and hair. Banderas. He's, he's got some serious hair. <laughs> and, it, and Christian Slater. A lot of people find Christian Slater very sexy, even though. Yeah, he, he's a good, you know, it's again, in his heyday, yeah. I would say. Like when he was like old enough, he was like, you know, I'm assuming he was in his. 20s 30s yeah yeah he was in i think his late 20s early 30s when that when, when yeah so that. like you know peak peak yeah. good lookingness man and then stephen ray a lot of people i mean i think stephen ray he's not a very attractive dude but he's in it he i mean <laughs> the vampire thing like ups it a little bit i think yeah. they make him look mysterious <laughs> yeah exactly so uh but interview with a vampire uh, uh uh you know we'll talk a little bit more about that on the halloween episode on the spooktacular um, because I know that you enjoy that movie, and I and I do too, very very much. And 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 hey and hey, uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst—that's her first movie. Yeah, and she's great. She's terrific. And a little kid, and then she grew up to be—you know—you know how sometimes little kids in movies they don't grow up to be like good actors or actresses. She did. Mm-hmm. She yeah, did. She, there you go. She turned out great. So all right. Anyway, uh, so if you're if you're so inclined, those Anne Rice tours in in New Orleans are pretty mm-hmm. cool. So they're very very cool. Anyway. All right, so uh, you know, um, we we talked about we talked about this article a very very long time ago, and we never really got around to finishing it. So we should finish it now before we jump into uh, the spooktacular on the next episode. Yeah. Um, so the the celebrity rumors, we love talking about celebrity stories and rumors and and uh, and all kinds of stuff. So uh, I have a few of these celebrity rumors, and we can talk a little bit about them and what your thoughts are on uh, on them. For instance, now I didn't know, and and some of these, by the way, I hadn't heard. So maybe you heard these. And 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 uh, know about them more than I do. Mm-hmm. Now here's one. These are kind of weird, kind of out there, unsubstantiated, and sometimes very strange celebrity rumors. Uh, and here's one of them: Michael J. Fox. Do you know what the what the weird sort of celebrity rumor concerning his middle initial is? I <laughs> this this just seems like did y'all run out of something to write about? Um, that Michael J. Fox's middle name is Jello. How does that? <laughs> I don't even like who, in whose right mind would they think that his middle name is Jello? I, and then not on top, on top of that, as brother, like who would start that? And then who would believe it? Who'd be like, oh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. I think he, oh yeah, that sounds about right. Jello. Oh, Michael Jello Fox. Michael Jello Fox. Uh, I've never heard that. Had you b- before we saw this article? No. Before we talked, had you ever heard that that his noodle name was Jello? <laughs> uh, no, no, I have not. <laughs> wow. Uh, so Jello, Michael J. Now the I, and I, I think the real story or the story. I don't think his he. I don't think he J is his middle name. I think no. He, he when he took the stage name or when he took the name he when he became an actor there was already a Michael Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, it listed in the union. So he 
added the J to separate himself from the pre-existing Michael Fox that was already in the Actors Union. And, and a lot of people do that. A lot of actors, like, change their name. Like uh, Anthony Michael Hall, in fact. He's, he's Michael Hall. Um, mm-hmm. But there was already a Michael Hall in SAG in the Actors Union, so he was like, all right, well, I'm just going to add the Anthony. So a lot of people do that. They change their name or they alternate or they mess it around a little bit. Emma Stone's another one. Um, so is that like you have to? Do you no, know? you don't have to. I'm or is not, it I, just because they want to differentiate? Exactly. They want to be different. I don't think you have to. I don't think it's like you can't have two people with the same name. That's not you, – you, no, that, of course that's not – I don't think that's, that's the case because there wouldn't – you know, like – well, I mean, there's Michael B. Jordan. But, uh, well, Michael Jordan. But that's what I mean. Name. Like they, they always – there's always like a slight difference. Yeah, there's always a slight difference. Uh, it's true. But, yeah, so they added the, – he I, and, I, and so it's not – so the whole Jello thing is like moot. Because, like, it's not real. He added the J in order to separate himself from the pre-existing Michael Fox that was already in SAG. Right. So, his J- so you know, it technically, I guess, could have been Jell-O because it's not a real <laughs> right. So it could name. Be. So he could have been just J for Jell-O. So maybe, he, you know, maybe that was his inspiration, Esmeralda. He was sitting around and he was, yeah. eating, he was eating a bowl of Jell-O and he went, oh. All right, that'll be my stage name. That would sound nice. A J. (laughs) Did you know that, um, uh, you you probably knew this, do you know that um, Michael B. Jordan at one point lived with with Stilo Brim um, from Ridiculousness, Stilo Brim? That they're like buddies? Uh, No, I did not. So he and Stilo Brim were like buddies here in, in Chicago. Um, they were buddies, like childhood buddies. And then, uh, when they moved, when they first moved to LA, they had a place together and they lived mm-hmm. together. And so Michael B. Jordan has been on ridiculous for people who don't know who Steelo Brim is. Steelo Brim is Sterling. Sterling Steelo Brim is the guy who runs the videos on ridiculousness. Um, which is if you turn on MTV right now, it's on. It's on 24 hours a day. If it's not ridiculousness, it's catfish. Those are the two things that are, on, that are on. You remember when you could watch Esmeralda, when you can watch MTV and it would be, you know, you know, videos and stuff? Yeah. That's, yeah. Woo, that's been yeah. a long time. A long time. Now it's catfish and ridiculousness, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I can't watch cat. I'm not into catfish, but I'll watch, I will watch ridiculousness for fucking 12 hours at a stretch. I, <laughs> Well, I lucky love, you. I love that it show. It is playing at twelve hours. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a stretch. <laughs> so you got your uh, you got your Rob Deerdick, and you got your Stilo Brim, and he Stilo is the Rob Deerdick is the host, uh, and Stilo Brim is the you know one of the co-stars who does the videos. And then there was she's not there anymore, but there was uh, Chanel West Coast, um, and she was she would provide the female perspective and the annoying laugh. That's what, uh, mm. what she would do. And she's not there anymore because she uh, got pregnant and had a kid and got married. So she she left the show, and now they alternate between la- uh, you know between sexy laughing ladies. Um, oh. But but Stilo is like the co-host, and and so he used to live in, and he had they had Michael B. Jordan on Ridiculousness a few times, even after Michael B. Jordan became you know like Michael B. Jordan, you know like mm-hmm. he was still coming back to Ridiculousness because they were they were like best friends. So yeah, yeah, they used to probably owes them a couple favors i would imagine and so they used to live together and um can you imagine this is the story that they told us so you think about this you live with a guy named michael jordan 
okay? Um, and you order a pizza. Um, mm-hmm. And they say, okay, address, okay, name. And then they're like, fuck you, that's not your name. You know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> like, you have that name. And, mm. like, you order a pizza, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, your name is Michael Jordan. Sure it is. And then it's like, no, my name is Michael... <laughs> it's such a common i mean michael i mean i'm sure there's many jordans in the world yeah (laughs) isn't that weird though like to have you know like you know like uh, like 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 what's that what's that thing in in office space right when the guy's name is michael bolton right yeah it's michael bolton (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna change my name he's the one who sucks isn't that the line line? yeah So, uh, but yeah, having the f- same name, I wonder how that, I would love to, to, you know, I'm sure that this has been done a million times, but I would love to interview just a group of people who share the name, uh, mm-hmm. with, a, with a famous person and what that's gotta be like, you know, like simple things. Like that's the story that they told on ridiculousness was like, it was always funny when they ordered a pizza, you know? Yeah. I mean, it has to be, um, I'm sure they have their little their times when yeah people don't believe them yeah. when it's like well you know people can have this name without yeah. uh <laughs> yeah i love that i love that moment in office space why do i have to change my name he's the one that sucks i mean it's, it's... <laughs> and gentlemen michael bolton so um so sharing the name with a famous person if anybody by the way if you have a famous name uh, well, let's hear yeah. your story. Uh, we would, I would love to hear your story. You can leave it on our voicemail at 773-417-6948. If you, ha- if you share the name with a famous person and you have trouble with deliveries or pizza. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear that story, 773-417-6948. Yeah, but it, that was, I mean, it was hilarious when they told the story. Because, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to order, oh, I ordered a pizza for Michael Jordan. And they show up at the house. And clearly it's not, Michael Jordan doesn't live in like a, you know, a second floor apartment building on the on the west side <laughs> so that's the, that's not how it works so all right so michael j fox the j is not for jello so right okay. yes we've established i'm very that is that rumor has been squashed that's right who's ever thinking that all is right. true all right how about the next one now this one i remember hearing when i was when i was a kid okay and okay. like for a while it was like, oh, maybe it's true. And, you know, like my friends and I would talk about it. Now, I was a big Kiss fan when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And I was a mem- I was, in fact, I was a member of the Kiss Army. Um, oh. So, and Kiss Army was a thing. Uh, it was the fan club. The fan club for Kiss back in the 70s was called the Kiss Army. Um, and you would join up. You get like a decoder ring or. You would get like a patch that said you were in the Kiss Army. Oh, you would get like pictures and stuff. Fun. and and, uh, and I was such a, you know, I mean, I was a KISS fanatic when I was a kid. And then when I got a little bit older, when I hit, like, puberty, I was like, wow, these guys really suck. I didn't... <laughs> it took me a while. You know, when I got pubic hair, it's finally when I went, yeah. Puberty came along, and, I, and, and along with puberty comes the realization that KISS blows. That's what happens when you grow up. So, <laughs> but I'll tell you something. When I was 10, 11, 12, KISS was, oh, my God, I loved them. So, this is the one, this is the rumor. That Gene Simmons, because, you know, he sticks his tongue out all the time. He's got a very long tongue. You know, that's one of the things he's known Mm -hmm. for. He's got the demon makeup. He spits out the blood. He shoots the fire and all that shit. But he also sticks his tongue out. And it's a very long tongue. Uh, And it's one of his trademarks. But there was a rumor, and this still was persistent for a while, that Gene Simmons had a cow tongue. Right. (laughs) Clearly no one has ever seen a cow tongue. 
<laughs> well, the the rumor was. Had you ever heard this rumor before, Esmeralda? I I have. I have. Yeah. Yes. It, it was so it stuck around for a while. I mean, I know it started in the seventies. It was a rumor mm-hmm. that started in the seventies, and then it stuck around. Um, yeah. So I guess long enough. I mean, I mean the man has been around too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's still stuck, you know. And uh, the guy still. I mean, they still kiss is still around. Uh, I, I, shockingly. Um, but yeah, the thing was because his tongue is so long and then there was like, yeah, he's, he, he had it like the, the rumor was that he, he got a hunk of cow tongue. Okay. Mm-hmm. And had it mm-hmm. surgically <laughs> and had it surgically connected to his tongue so that it would be. Right. So that's why it was as long as it was because so secretly he had an operation where they attached a cow tongue in Gene Simmons mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That yeah, uh huh. You don't believe that one, Esmeralda? Do you find that one hard? No. To believe? Again, I think uh, people have never actually seen a cow tongue. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing. Or understanding, understand, you know, basic medical. Yeah, yeah. Because if you have a cow tongue attached to your tongue, it's not going to be able to move around the way that Gene Simmons move. You know, exactly. It's just going to hang then, there, right? That too, and then. <laughs> How would they, the only reasonable way they could attach it would be for them to to remove his tongue and then put in the pee. Because, you know, your tongue goes, it like gets thinner. It yeah. Makes, usually for some people, I mean, some people got flat tongues, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, it goes to a point, at least his does. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess a cow tongue does come to a point. So I guess they could have chopped off his <laughs> the point of his time that's a lot it's just a lot there's a lot going on yeah there's it seems like no um proper medical doctor would even entertain this fact right right Uh, but i remember it being you know like when you're a 10 you're like yeah Mm -hmm. there's a cow tongue and you believe it and then like it was like now he doesn't have a cow tongue and then the second rumor i don't know if you've heard about this one the second stupid, like, rumor, outrageous bullshit rumor that was kind of uh, attached to Gene Simmons and his tongue. Mm-hmm. So when people were like, no, that's ridiculous. It can't be a cow tongue. People were like, oh, but okay, what's the, is there a, a name for that piece of skin that's connected to the bottom of your mouth and your tongue? You know, that little stretchy oh, piece? Oh, of- yeah. Um, is there a name? It- because it's not the, um, the uvula. The uvula, is, the uvula is the thing no. in the back of your throat. That's the thing in the back of your throat. But it's like that. Well, you know what I'm talking about. That piece of skin that connects the bottom of your tongue to your mouth. Yeah. So um, that is called a frenulum. A frenulum. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody. And then after the cow tongue thing, because everybody, for some reason, people were obsessed with finding out why Gene Simmons' tongue was so long or why he, you know. Right. So yeah. they were like, well, he had his, what's it called again, the, the piece of skin? A frenulum? Well, frenulum. Frenulum, frenulum. I think. Okay. Well, they had, they said that he had it clipped. He had his mm. clipped. And so that was the, that was like, oh, it's not a cow tongue. He had his frenulum clipped. <laughs> his Interesting. Fren- he had his frenulum clipped. I think that was a... <laughs> For Newlam clipped, I think was a was a morning zoo team. Yeah, for Newlam clipped. Yeah, right. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. For man. in the morning. Yeah, for <laughs> for Newlam in the morning, man. Oh yeah. So, um, 
But yeah, the other thing was, no, it's not a cow. You know, like people were like, oh, don't be ridiculous. It's not a cow tongue. He had his frenulum clipped. Like that's an explanation. Yeah. Like that's a, you know. Like well, that's what he did. Yeah, like that's a more um, logical. I guess you, can, you can have a a surgery um, where you, I don't think you can, nece- I don't think they would necessarily just cut it. Yeah. Um, but you can get it, like, f- not fixed, I guess, but it can be manipulated in some way. It can be altered way. in some yeah, way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Altered. Altered. Yeah. Okay. Um, but modify. They can modify. They can modify it, your frenulum. They can modify. Yeah. Because I'm sure, I mean, some people probably have it, like, super short or something. So they right. can't really yeah. move it or whatever. And yeah. So there's that. So maybe you know, he did. Maybe he did. Maybe he had his frenulum clipped. I don't know. Uh, so we'll have to ask Gene Simmons. Next time I see Gene Simmons uh, on the tour yeah. with you Bolton. You know, sometimes you'll see him, yeah. Well, he'll be when backstage. He'll be backstage at Michael Bolton, so we'll ask him, did you get your frenulum clipped? And he'll be like, I'm sorry, right. excuse me. Lift up your tongue. <laughs> Lift up your tongue. I want to see if your frenulum has been clipped. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, but yeah, the cow tongue thing, that was like when I was 10, I was like, yeah, he's got a cow tongue. And that was also the, right around the time when I, uh, when the rumor in the 70s was that, and I think we've talked about this before, and I think you, you looked it up, Esmeralda, and we snoped it. Mm-hmm. Um, because back in the day, like when Bubble Yum first came out, it was a big oh, deal. Right. When Bubble Yum first came out, it was a big deal because it was not in, because everything was like, you know, most gum, unless you got it, you know, like in baseball cards or whatever. Most mm. gum was in sticks. Like you got your, you got a stick of a stick of juicy fruit or a stick of double mint or whatever. When bubble yum came out, it came out in big, you know, squares or rectangles and it was really really chewy. It was very very chewy. And uh, and it became hugely popular. Like every kid went nuts. I remember when I was a kid, bubble yum was the biggest thing in the world. And then the rumor yeah. was that bubble yum was made of spider eggs. That was the <laughs> That was the rumor. I was just like, why? How would that even? It, it was weird. Wouldn't it be like real weirdly crunchy? Well, that was the thing because when bubble yum, I don't know if it's still the case because I haven't chewed bubble yum. I can't tell you how many years it's been since I've had. Have you had bubble yum recently at all? Um, not recently, but I so, mean, I've had it before. <laughs> but it's got like a weird kind of not crunchy consistency, but like a um, when you bite into it, it's it it's got kind of like a little teeny like bubbly feel to it like little teeny bubbles in it so when you bite on it it's not crunchy but it does have kind of a a little bit of a weird consistency that's unusual Mm. and not very gum like it's kind of like poppy like eggs like (laughs) (laughs) and so that was the rumor was that like it's made of spider eggs that was the that was the big rumor so like right around the time that gene simmons had a cow tongue we were chewing bubble gum that was made of spider eggs that was the that was that was what was happening right. in my youth. Yeah, I love that. That would be the popularity of it, though. Like, yeah, you gotta get it. Well, <laughs> no, you know what was, was eggs. What's funny <laughs> is that I found out about this at the Field Museum the first time I ever heard the rumor. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget this because we were at the the King Tut exhibit. So when the first time that the King Tut exhibit came through Chicago, in the seventies. Um, whenever that was, I don't know, it's gotta be like 75, 76, something like that, 77, around that time. That was when Bubble Yum was new and it had just like really taken off and everybody was, you know, the kids were loving it and it was brand new. It was the coolest gum in the world. And I remember we had just finished our, uh, tour of the exhibit of King Tut. You know, we were on a field trip. The school was there 
And of course, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, Esmeralda, whenever you're at a museum and you go on an exhibit, at the end of the exhibit, you go right into the fucking gift shop because you spend money. They want you, you know, that's that's where you, you know, the exhibit ends and you're in the gift shop. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> it's in hopes that you're going to buy $5,000 worth of shit at Field Museum. So we walk out of the King Tut exhibit and I was, I don't know, I was 11, 10, 11 years old, whenever the King Tut thing happened. We walk out and we were in the gift shop and I went up to buy a, a pack of gum. We were waiting for the bus you know, to take us back to school. And I went up and I grabbed a pack of bubble yum and a kid next to me is like, hey, man, don't buy that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, that stuff's made with spider eggs. <laughs> and I remember- Well, I happen to love spider eggs. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I remember specifically, I did, that is ingrained in my brain. There are a few things that I remember. I have a shitty memory now as I mm-hmm. get older. But I remember- the day, it was Larry Mountain, by the way, the kid. Larry oh, Mountain wow. was his name. Larry was the kid who said to me in the Field Museum after seeing King Tut in the gift shop when I was buying bubble yum, that bubble yum was made from spider eggs. And I went, well, I'm buying it anyway. I don't give a shit. So, so then when you were like chewing on were you like, these spider eggs are delicious. Yeah, I was like, yeah. But, you know, when you're 10, you're like, ooh, okay, maybe I won't, maybe it's real. You know, because I mean, I thought, you know, I thought Gene just had a cow tongue at that point, you know, so I didn't. Know right. So, but yeah, bubble yum made of eggs. Now, and then we snoped it. I believe we've talked about it before. Right. And of course it's <laughs> bullshit, but it did. But it was a real thing. Like, I remember the first time I told you about this, you were like, get out of here. When I said, <laughs> when I said that there were actually kids around the world that thought bubble yum was made of, of spider eggs, you were like, get out of here. And I'm like, no, mm. it's real. And then w- when we did snope it. You know, it was it. I mean, it was it was big enough for it to be on Snopes. You know, um, to, to yeah, be and they um, apparently they spent a lot of money trying to fight this rumor. Right? Didn't they buy an ad? They or had something? full page. Yeah, they had full page ads that were running because of Larry Mountain telling you <laughs> that it had uh, spider eggs. So thanks a lot, Larry. Bubble Yum had to spend a lot of money. It's, it's all it's all Larry Mountain. All Larry's fault. By the way, that's his real name. I'm not making that up. His name was Larry yeah. Mountain. But no, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So it's we can all trace that rumor back. Did Snopes trace it right back to Larry Mountain? Is that where? It's yeah. Going? It's like this is all Larry Mountain's fault. <laughs> so. Live with that, Larry. Uh, I wonder where Larry is now. I used to—he used to follow me on uh, on the socials years ago. Um, God, I—I I used to hang out with him all the time. Larry Mountain. He was a good dude. And he turned into a real metalhead. I remember as he got older, oh. he was just like, yeah, "Man, if it's not if it's not Megadeth, fuck off." He was like that guy. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It was all the spider eggs. The spider eggs turned him into a metalhead. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> he was and Gene Simmons. Cow tongue. Gene Simmons cow tongue. And you know, what would it be like for Gene Simmons with a cow tongue to try and chew spider eggs? That must have been very difficult for him. Right? <laughs> oh don't do it post post surgery, I guess. Oh man. His cow right. tongue plus his regular tongue. So oh, much. It's so funny. By the way, if it's if for some unknown, very weird reason, Larry Mountain like listens to this podcast. He's gonna be- <laughs> Larry, it's your fault. <laughs> Bubble Yum spent so much money on putting out full page ads because you couldn't keep your mouth shut about spider eggs. <laughs> 
But <laughs> that's hilarious. But it was. But seriously, as you just as you just saw, it was persistent. I mean, it wasn't just mm-hmm. yeah. Larry. It wasn't just Larry Mountain in the Field Museum after the King Tut exhibit. It was everywhere. <laughs> he had a lot of pull. He did. He, <laughs> he did <laughs> Larry um, did not know his own uh, fame. His popularity. Did not know that. Yeah. Oh man. That's hilarious. Okay, well, um, did you ever see? By the way, apropos of nothing, did you ever see the King Tut exhibit, Esmeralda? Um, yeah, I remember seeing like an Egyptian exhibit. I don't yeah. know if King Tut was there for it was another uh, a grave or carcass or whatever you call yeah. them sarcophagus um, or carcophagus. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. I remember seeing something. I remember the the Egyptian exhibit being a favorite of mine. Do you remember? Oh God, why did this pop? Do you remember? I'm the the Egyptian magician. Do you remember that? That was like Jerky Boys. One of the. <laughs> no. You don't remember that? You remember the Jerky Boys? No. Yes. You, yeah, you remember the Jerky Boys, right? Hey, I'm Frank I Rizzo. Yeah. Get Brett where I said. You know that. <laughs> yeah. I got these guys up on the roof. They're fucking around with the hot mops. You know the whole thing. I, man, there was a period of time in the late in the mid '90s when I was obsessed with the Jerky Boys. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I think oh. a lot of people were. Oh, I know my, my brother was. Oh He's my huge God. into it. <laughs> the, jer- the Jerky Boys ruled. But one of the characters that they would do when they, for people who don't know, the Jerky Boys, they were like prank callers back when you could still do prank mm-hmm. calls, yeah. and they would make up characters, and they were fantastic. And it was like uh, Johnny. I can't remember their names. Johnny something and the other guy. So these two guys, they made a fucking movie. They made a Jerky Boys movie with Tom Jones. Tom Jones is in the Jerky Boys movie. I mean, good for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, really. But Frank Rizzo was the. That's this Frank Rizzo. I said, get Brett Weir. You know, that. Oh, Frank yeah. Rizzo. So, <laughs> I mean, so, by the way, really quickly, we, I was, we were, we were, I, I directed this show called, um, Congratulations for not killing anyone. And it was at this theater, uh, the Angel Island Theater, which was off of Sheridan and Broadway in Chicago. And we were on the second floor and we were there all night building the set one night. Mm-hmm. And you get a little you get a little punchy when you're painting like all night and building a fucking set for a right. show that, for a show yeah. that six <laughs> six people are gonna see. But we had a really great set. My set designer was fantastic. And we were there all night like painting and building and stuff. And one night all we mm-hmm. did we played like six jerky boys CDs while we were building the set and Good we Lord. we got nothing done. We got nothing done because we just were laughing our asses off. Oh, great. We were drinking beer, building a set, listening to the Jerky Boys for like three hours. It was ridiculous. Oh, God. But one of the characters that they would call up, like the guy would call up and he goes, I am the Egyptian magician. And he was like, I can't remember. He would call up like, I don't know, like theaters. and go, You should book me. I am the Egyptian magician. I will make the whole place disappear. And I was like, what the fuck? So... Whenever you say Egyptian, I, I still think of that. I still think like the, of the Egyptian wow. magician by the Jerky Boys. <laughs> Made a big impact on my life. So, but no. Uh, yeah, it sounds, sounds like it. <laughs> anyway, but back in the seventies, King Tut, you know, was that was like it was amazing because it was a big deal. It was the first time, you know, they had recently, you know, like unearthed some new stuff, and it was the first time that King Tut mm-hmm. in the seventies was the first time. They ever did the exhibit in the United States, and it was so big. Fucking Steve Martin made a song out of it. Steve Martin did yeah, the. Yeah, he, yeah. So that's how big and how culturally impactful the first King Tut tour was in the seventies. Fucking Steve Martin, a comedy you know god at that time, recorded the King Tut song, and it was like a top ten hit. 
Seventies <laughs> were weird, Esmeralda. The cow tongues, spider eggs, King Tut songs. Yeah. I, you know, Larry Mountain. <laughs> Larry Mountain causing havoc. <laughs> I love that you you've blamed Larry Mountain for that. That's it. We've we've yeah, traced it. Well, it we've... is his fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I hope he hears this at some point. So anyway, Larry, hi. How you doing? You ruined uh, Bubble Yum for a while. Yeah. That's all. You your ruined fault. the entire reputation of Bubble Yum in the seventies. <laughs> God, that's Good funny. job. Nice I hope job. you're happy with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, uh, all right. Well, cool. All right. So the next uh, episode that we do, Esmeralda, will be our Halloween mm-hmm. episode. Um, mm-hmm. And so you and I are going to do some scary stuff. We're going to talk about scary movies and, uh, you know, we'll play, uh, you know, more of this what? stuff. That kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All that scary stuff. And uh, we're going to talk uh, so about uh, some of your favorite horror movies, too, uh, the next time. And, uh, and that'll be on the next episode. And then Josh Robert Thompson from uh, nice. The Late Late Show, The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. He was Jeffrey Peterson of Jeffrey Peterson, the gay robot skeleton sidekick. Um, mm-hmm. Josh happens to be one of the biggest and most insane horror movie fans of all time. Um, nice. So he's going to be our special guest for the spooktacular. So that's uh, that's on the next episode. And uh, and thanks, Esmeralda. You rule the planet, as always. Oh, thank you. And thanks to everybody uh, for listening. And thanks to Larry Mountain for ruining Bubble Yum. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Larry. Um, you want to be a sponsor on the show, you can do it. It's easy. Advertise with us on the Nick D Podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Voicemail, any kind of questions or comments or stories or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, if you have a famous name and you have to deal with it, that's mm-hmm. a funny, 773-417-6948. Email us anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds and the themes. Uh, please spread the word, uh, like us and all that cool stuff. Rate and review us on every platform where you can find us and listen to our live uh, uh, you know, uh, streaming feed, uh, which is at uh, radiomisfits.live. And my thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. And we'll see you next time on the Nick Podcast.